Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Kansas City drummer Danny Rojas. He grew up in rural Kansas, went to school at the University of Kansas, and he studied under the great Dan Gailey. He made his way over to Kansas City, and he is in a very busy jazz scene. Over the course of our conversation, we discuss the gigs that he's had with Everett Devan and the Chris Hazelton Boogaloo 7, and what projects are coming up, along with many more things. So please dig this interview, my friends. I want to get an idea of what is going on with you lately with playing and everything. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I consider myself very lucky. I'm working more now as a drummer than I've than I've ever been able to to work. It's just there seems to be a lot of work out there, and I've been fortunate enough to jump on it. You know, I'm doing the Boogaloo Seven. It's really kind of my my heart right now. These these guys are just amazing musicians, and and uh, I'm really into that group right now. And then I do various other things around town too. So I've been fortunate. <laughs> So the Boogaloo 7 is, uh, that's a pretty cool outfit. What's it like to work with a group that's, uh, that that is so tight and has so much history and with Chris Hazelton and the whole dynamic? Chris is amazing, and, and he's just he's just an amazing uh, organ player and just an amazing guy himself. He's just, he's very organized. He gives us a, a space to express ourselves musically, and that's really what what I love about about him and the band um and everybody I think from from my perspective we're all in the same place musically and we all want the same things and this band is very tight and we're all very serious about playing music and I actually told Chris the other day I said you know this is the funnest band that I've ever been a part of and it's true it's the funnest group I've ever been able to work with and everybody's very serious about what they do and, and it makes things so much easier and so much fun. I had such a good yeah. time with them. Well, let's get to the beginnings of your life. Where were you born and raised? I was born in uh, Garden City, Kansas, which is way west, western Kansas. Is where I'm so what was it about your childhood that led you to get into music and more specifically jazz? I was uh, exposed to just all different kinds of music as an early, as a, as a, as a youngster. My dad was a drummer, and he was a drummer uh, through middle school and high school. And my mom played violin, and uh, I was just exposed to music all the time. My uh, my mom uh, was always listening to the radio, <laughs> so uh, I got a lot of taste of the early disc or the the mid seventies to late seventies disco, like Bee Gees and ABBA and Casey and the Sunshine Band. And my dad was very into the fusion, uh, like Billy Cobham and Chuck Mangione and. And, uh, you know, he, there were some, some earlier Earth, Wind & Fire. I mean, he just had a, a mound of albums. And this is all stuff that, that was available to me. I was able to get a, a pretty good, well-rounded musical sense through through my parents. So what was that first drum set like? I didn't have my own drum set at the very beginning. I, I used my dad. My dad, you know, he was very, very cool about letting me you know, jump on his drum set. His kit was always available to me, which which was nice. Uh, I'll just give you a, a kind of a quick backstory. When I was a, really like three years old, my dad had bought his first drum set from a music company, uh, Foster Music, which is a music store that you always you know buy your stuff from uh, from Garden City. And uh, he had he had all of his drums set up in the living room, and I think there was a part that was missing. He left to go get that part. Well, while he, while he was gone, I guess I went and I took a pencil 
and I guess I poked holes in every one of his drum heads, which oh, no. I don't, I vaguely remember, <laughs> but I think there's uh, probably plenty of reasons why I've chosen to block that out. So he would always <laughs> tell me that story, and he would tell everybody, this kid poked holes in my drum head, and I hadn't even had a chance to play him. But, you know, on top of that, his drums were always available to me. So really, we shared a kit, and it was it was a Ludwig Sparkle kit. It was like a 20-inch bass drum, and, you know, your your typical 14-inch snare drum, and your your toms, and, you know, his cymbals. So... Really, that that was my my first drum set. But my my very first one that I bought was a was a Tama drum set again that I bought from from uh, Foster Music, and it was a big drum set. It was double bass, and it had tons of cymbals and toms and crafts. You know, it was just I bought for quantity and not quality back then, because you know it was the look of the drum set that attracted me. But you know, as I got into as I was more serious about my music, I realized that. You know, I probably should have researched drum kits a little bit better. But that was really, the Tama kit was really my first, my first kit. And I yeah. actually, I took that one to college with me. So that was with my, that was my college kit for a while. Talk to me about college. Where'd you go? What did you learn about music? I went to the University of Kansas. Uh, and I studied there with the director of jazz studies, who was Dan Gailey. Uh, Dan Gailey really opened my eyes and ears to a whole another side of music. And he was tough. I mean, he was he was a tough director, but, you know, he, he made you accountable. And um, he was great at what he did, but he really just opened up my eyes and ears to a whole a whole other world of, of music. He, you know, he introduced me to artists that I'd never heard of and, you know, through that program, I was able to travel and see these people in person and meet them and, and listen to them play and interact with other musicians. It was just really, really, a really turning point in my in my musical career was, was when I went to uh, Kansas University. So you come to Kansas City, you get immersed in the scene. Talk to me a little bit about your trajectory since KU to now, what you've been involved with the projects. When I finished up at the university, I, I moved to Kansas City, and I was just kind of doing, like, just some little sporadic gigs here and there. I wasn't really playing out a whole lot. Uh, a buddy of mine's like, hey, man, you need to come out and start doing some of these jams and this and that. And, and uh, I'm like, okay, okay. So I started to, to kind of make my myself known a little bit that I was, you know, I'm in Kansas City now, and, and uh, if you need a drummer, you know, I'm, I'm available. You know, the typical everybody has to kind of do. And uh, I met a lot of people just through that. Mark Lowry was one of the first, like, keyboard bass piano players that I ever worked with, or he would do the left-hand bass and, and do right hand on the on the keyboard. And, and you know, a lot of, we did a lot of duo stuff. And we were doing this duo gig over at um, Sullivan's. He had called me. He goes, hey, I'm not going to be able to make the gig tonight. I'm going to get uh, this guy, Everett Devan, to play. And I always wanted to work with Everett, and I knew a little bit about Everett, and I was like, I was really super excited about working with Everett. So show up to the gig, and uh, Everett is, he's already there and already set up, and so Everett doesn't say anything. He's, you know, he's just doing his thing. So I, you know, I set myself up, and comes time to play, and Everett walks over to his keyboard, and he looks at me, and he goes, can you swing? And I'm like, yeah, I, I can try, you know, and, and he just starts. So we start the gig. We start going, and we finished the gig. You know, Everett doesn't really talk a whole lot during the gig. He kind of gives me some instruction, but that's about it. And 
at the end of the night, he's like, give me your number. I'm going to call you for some stuff. So I gave him my number, not really expecting to hear much from ever, but like the next day he had called me and, and gave me several dates to start working with him. So uh, from going, getting from KU to Everett, that, once I, when I got with Everett Devan, that was a whole nother avenue of jazz that, that I hadn't quite yet discovered. He really helped me with the more straight-ahead swing stuff. So let me ask you this. You've been in Kansas City for, for some time. Talk to me about what's, what's so great about being a part of the Kansas City jazz scene. The Kansas City scene right now is thriving, and there's just so much musically that's happening in this city. Um, you can, any night of the week, you can go and see a, a great group. The Green Lady Lounge obviously has music seven nights a week. Uh, there's the Phoenix. There's, of course, you know, the legendary Blue Room. Um, and just various, various places around Kansas City. There's just a lot of amazing musicians in this city, I'm learning. And with that said, I believe we're all learning from each other. And it's just a really neat community to be a part of, this music community here. Um, and we all keep keep each other on, on our toes. You know, I, I, I heard Brian Stevers the other day. He's, you know, he sounded amazing like always. And Ryan Lee, I go down and listen to him once in a while, and he's he's always killing it. Ryan Lee's one of those special guys because not only can he really kill it on drums, but he's an amazing bass player. And he, he's an amazing piano player. He's one of those guys that, you know, I just want to hate. I think I even told Ryan Lee, I said, I, mean, I, I hate you because you're so great at everything you do. And then you got <laughs> Sam Wiseman, who's an amazing drummer. I mean, it, it, the list is just huge. So it's really cool to be a part of that and, and just to see how much is thriving right now. And it's very, very exciting. Yeah. Well, and obviously we come from a very rich tradition of jazz in Kansas City. So let me ask you this. From the historical annals, from the early days of the Blue Devils to the Foundation, to Bird, to all of these things that go into the matrix, the Rubik's Cube of Kansas City jazz, what intrigues you the most about the history of this town? Just knowing that there was a lot of birth in this area uh, when it comes to jazz. You know Charlie Parker, that whole that whole era it, that really intrigues me. And to be honest with you, I'm still I'm studying up on that now as, as that whole genre because I I kind of feel like there's a lot of my musical base that's missing, and so I'm I'm really starting to dive into some of that earlier stuff, and I never really uh, paid much attention to it. But I think if you want to progress as a musician, you have to go back to the beginning. And know that a lot of that stuff happened right here in Kansas City. It's just very, very, very intriguing to me. And again, it's just it just feels really, really great and, and special to be a part of that. Who would you consider your jazz heroes? Those that have influenced you the most with the way you play? I, I go through different phases, and they're not, you know, probably one of my my earliest influences um, was a, a gentleman by the name of Billy, uh, Billy Cobham, and, and this was a guy that my dad used to listen to quite a bit. And uh, my dad had quite a few of his albums, and I was really, really uh, locked into what he was doing on the drums. Just, just amazing, amazing stuff. And then once I got to about middle school and high school, I discovered a guy named Dave Weichel, and I really was – that was kind of when fusion jazz was starting to get really big, and he was a big fusion guy, and I really, really was, was, was into his stuff um, as well. But, again, you know, that's kind of where I think – I missed some stuff is because I didn't really go back and listen to to uh, some of the other stuff. But I would say two of the big musical influences will be Billy Cobham and 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 uh, 
and uh, Dave Weckl, you know, and then I also listened to Jack DeJohnette and some of the the newer guys like Bill Stewart and and uh, you know go back a little bit to like Art Blakely, you know, Jones. Those guys were, you know, I, I listened to on occasions, but I didn't really study them like I I really should have. But uh, I would yeah. say I would really say that Dave Weckl was probably one of my biggest influences. So, what's the greatest thing a fan has ever said to you? <laughs> you know, probably one of the one of the coolest things, and I never really thought about it and and but i i get it now is i had a guy come up to me and he's where we're just kind of talking maybe talking about gear but he did say he goes you just make it look so easy you play and it's you look make it look flawless and when he said that i'm thinking just the opposite because when i sit down to play i almost feel awkward like i'm trying to to make things work and and to be comfortable so when he said you just make it look so easy, and you look so comfortable behind the kit. You look so happy. That's not what I'm feeling a lot of times when I'm playing in certain situations. You know, I always feel like I'm having to adjust my feet or my hi-hats kind of moving. And so that I think that was the, probably one of the neatest things that anybody said to me, that I just look so comfortable, and you just make it look so easy. Right on. So why do you love jazz? I love I love jazz because it's it's very improv. You do a lot of improv, um, and and I think that in itself is very very intriguing to me. It's just it's just all the improv and, and how you improvise, and you're you're really expected to do that. And I think I taught drum lessons for a little while, and I just kind of thought that everybody could improvise. You know, I thought that was just a gift that everybody had, and I quickly realized that that wasn't the case. There are a lot of people that just do not know how to do that. So it's a special gift and talent for somebody if you're able to go and improvise over, you know, any number of, of different jazz tunes and stuff like that. So I think just being able to improvise is really what what has drawn me towards jazz music, especially the, the straight-ahead stuff. Yeah. So are there any albums or projects or anything on the horizon for you? Uh, we just finished a uh, Boogaloo 7 Live at the Green Lady, and that's that's in production right now. So that's going to be great. Uh, I'm not for sure of the exact release date on that, but that's something that, that I'm very, very excited that's going to be coming out uh, pretty soon. We also I also did a uh, recording with Everett Devan about a year and a half ago. That's out right now. Um, I believe it's called For the Love of You, and that's his latest CD that is, that was released last year. So that's that's another really cool thing that that I was very lucky to be a part of. That's really really cool, and it's just it's just great to be, you know, going back to that. It's just really great to be because there's a lot of my musical peers that are doing recordings right now. Matt Hopper, who is a guitar player I, I work with quite a bit, he just uh, released his his album, and uh, it's beautiful. And there's a lot of really cool things happening. That uh, Matt Bellinger, who is a St. Louis native who's relocated here to Kansas City, uh, put out a, a CD not too long ago, and there's just a lot of really cool musical things happening. That Peter Slam, who's a vice player, who's you know just killing it, and he has a CD out that that I I love, just love listening to it. And so it's it's very cool, it's very cool. But yeah, we got a couple of things. We got like I said, the Boogaloo Seven things to already come out, and then the Ever Devan uh, for the Love of You are, are my two things right now. Yeah, I was there live for that live recording, and I remember distinctly going down there, and it was right before the World Series started. It was just kind of a – there was a cool power to downtown going on. It was a great night. Yes, 
So let me ask you this. Let's say we hook up in about 10 to 15 years from now, and I ask you what's been going on. Where do you want to see your career go? What projects, what musicians, what kinds of plateaus do you want to go to? 10 or 15 years, I would still want to say that I'm still playing and that I'm still working and able to do the things that I'm still doing now. As long as I'm able to work with good musicians, that's really what I'm hoping for, that I can continue to, you know, to grow musically. I don't have to go on a big tour. I don't need to be seen on, on TV or anything like that. That would be nice, and I would definitely take an opportunity like that. But it's not something that I'm focusing on. I'm just focusing on my playing and, you know, just, just trying to be a good person overall. Just, you know, those things. I'm not I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel or anything like that. I just, I just want to be able to continue to play drums and make music and be happy. <laughs> right on. That's good. Let me ask you this, my final question. What do you think you're projecting to the world? What do you think your persona is? How would you define who you are? Be happy. Try not to be stressful. Live every day like it's your last. Have a good attitude, you know, and I've really been focusing on trying to have a good attitude on just, you know, just not with just my playing, but just in life. And I think with, with a good attitude, good things happen. You know, good things come out of that. I think that's probably what most people would say or hope I, I would hope that that you know he's a he's a fun guy he's always happy and and cracking jokes and and he would help you when he when he can uh that sort of thing you know just 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 have a good positive attitude and try not to get too dark <laughs> right on that's perfect man that's a great way to wrap it up danny thank you for taking some time to talk with me today and giving me your jazz story Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Danny for his story, his wisdom, and making Kansas City that much cooler. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store or visit the neonjazz.blogspot.com for all things Neon Jazz. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. Neon Jazz.